We're thankful for this, another opportunity to meet with you again here at Little Union Primitive Baptist Church. Uh, we very much in, enjoyed the effort of our dear brother this morning. Uh, I mentioned to him as, as we passed uh, shaking hands, there was uh, there were several things that he said this morning I, I felt was you know just for me that uh, that the Lord used him to cast a handful of purpose down for this poor sinner and I, I thanked him for his for his boldness and and allowing the Holy Spirit to use him to say those things and um, I would trust that the Lord would continue to bless you in your efforts there in Texas I'm very thankful to get to spend this time with you as well as all the members and the visitors here at Little Union. Uh, I enjoyed my time last night with your pastor. I know that's kind of surprising for someone to say that. I enjoyed the time that God blessed us to have with him and his, and his entire family. And um, I want you to know how I feel. I know you already know this, but the Lord has, has richly blessed you to have Brother Chris as your pastor. And he is blessed to be here with you. And it's good to see uh, a congregation and a pastor in unity going forward in their service to the Lord, and I want to commend you for that and exhort you that you would continue in that in that way. Um, our brother has stirred up our minds concerning a subject this morning, and uh, it's something that I put forth an effort in uh, here recently at uh, Union Grove Primitive Baptist Church, so I want to go ahead and, and apologize to the deacon brother that's come to make sure I don't get out of line while I'm in Florida, that some of these things are some of the same things that I've preached recently at Union Grove, but um, as my daddy used to say, if it's worth preaching once, it's worth preaching twice. Uh, years ago, I heard a story about a, a young preacher, and uh, he was asked to preach a meeting, and they put him up, and he preached something, same subject matter that he had preached just a few weeks before, and, and there was an older preacher that was there on the pew, and he pecked another preacher on the back and said, you know, that young boy's a one-horse wagon. He said, you've heard him once, you've heard all he knows. But there's an older preacher there, even older than that preacher. He poked that one on his shoulder and said, well, maybe God will give you something worth preaching twice one day. <laughs> Turn with me to the book of Leviticus, chapter 6. The book of Leviticus, chapter 6. I think this will, uh, in my mind, in my humble estimation, will uh, connect well with what we've already heard. I certainly don't want to take anything away from our dear brother's efforts. Leviticus, chapter 6. We're going to begin reading in verse 8. But our effort uh, this morning is going to be concentrated on a phrase that's found in verse 13. And this phrase is alluded to in two other places in these verses. And the subject is uh, not allowing the fire of the altar to go out. Let not your fire go out. Leviticus chapter 6 verse 8, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, You know, that's a common phrase in the book of Leviticus. God spoke to Moses, Moses spoke to the people. Now, that's what we should do. God has spoke. Let's just repeat what God has said. Command Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the law of the burnt offering. It is the burnt offering because of the burning upon the altar all night into the morning. And the fire of the altar shall be burning in it. That sounds like something that's continually burning. Would you agree? Verse 10, And the priest shall put on his linen garment, and his linen breeches shall he put up upon his flesh and take upon the ashes which the fire hath consumed with the burnt offerings on the altar. And he shall put them beside the altar. And he shall put off his garments and put on other garments and carry forth the ashes without the camp into a clean place. Those ashes had to be put in a specific place. That's good to remember. 
And the fire upon the altar shall be burning in it. It shall not be put out. And the priest shall burn wood on it every morning and lay the burnt offering in order upon it. And he shall burn thereon the fat of the peace offerings. The fire shall ever be burning upon the altar. It shall never go out. Let not the fire of the altar go out. When we read through the Old Testament, it's important first and foremost to look for Jesus on every page. You know, if you want to make the Old Testament more interesting to you in your reading and study, start looking for Jesus on every page. If you read through the book of Leviticus and Numbers, you'll find at least seven specific offerings that the children of Israel were commanded to make unto God. When you read about those offerings, if you'll think about Jesus and what he did in the room instead of the elect, his people, it will come alive to you on the page in seeing him. Leviticus chapter 1, the burnt offering. If you remember, that burnt offering was a male without blemish, pointing to Jesus. It was an offering that was not killed by the priest. It was killed by the offerer, which teaches us that when Jesus gave his life on the cross of Calvary, it wasn't for any wrong he did. Mm-mm, it was for us. And if you want to blame someone for killing Jesus, look inside your heart. It's your sins that he took upon himself and died in your room instead. Uh, Brother Chris and I were talking this morning about Elder J.R. Rakes and the time we got to spend with Brother J.R. And I remember a story that Brother J.R. told about a dream that he had. He said, Brother Ronnie, I was dreaming and I looked in a distance and there was a man beating another man. And he said, I wanted to get closer to help that man. And he says, as I drew closer, he said, I could tell it was a Roman soldier that was beating the man. He said, as I drew closer and looked, the man being beaten looked like Jesus, what I thought Jesus would look like. And I thought, I need to help Jesus. But when I got close, he said, I was the Roman soldier. I was the one that was beating Jesus. If you want to blame someone for the suffering that Jesus did, blame yourself. He loved you and took your sin upon himself and suffered and died in your room instead. That burnt offering was all in. Everything, the fat, the energy thereof. Jesus was all in. He didn't come in this world to go halfway. He was all in. The next offering we find is Leviticus chapter 2. You find the meat or the meal offering. That meal offering could be multiple things. It could just be fine flour. It could be cakes that were baking or just crushed grain. But it had to be unleavened. could be no leaven in that which points to Jesus and his offering that he made in our room instead. It was an unleavened offering and that's the only type of offering that would be accepted by God. See, the reason we have nothing to offer to God for an eternal sin offering is we're already leavened. We're sin. We're not accepted in the sight of God. But Jesus was sinless and perfect and he offered his perfection to the Father for our filth in our room instead, that we one day would be perfect in the Father's sight. The next chapter, we find the, the peace offerings. I mentioned something about it last night. If you go to Leviticus chapter 7, verse 11 through 18, that's called a thanksgiving offering. It was an offering that would be made, and they would take what was offered and divide it with the people and have a great feast, showing that they were at peace with God. And that offering would be made to give thanks to God for a deliverance He had given them, what He had done for them, and 
Praise God, the Lord Jesus Christ is the one that reconciled us to the Father, that we'd be at, at peace with Him. The next chapter goes through the sin offering. The sin offering is just that. It's made for sin. And whether it be the priest, whether it be a ruler of the people, yes, rulers of the people, sin. <laughs> you know, the brother said this morning, you know, about the king and, you know, mentioned the president of the governor. He said, surely you like one of them. You've never lived in North Carolina. <laughs> yeah. Somebody from North Carolina probably listened to that, brothers. <laughs> They're all amen, though. But that sin offering would be made for their sin that they would make. And Jesus Christ, he made the sin offering. The next offering was the trespass offering for any trespass. And, of course, that offering was one that would be made to reconcile between neighbors and, and, and brothers and their fellowship with one another. We also find in Numbers chapter 15, the drink offering that would be poured out. We know Jesus poured out his entire life for us. And then the daily offering that would be offered morning and afternoon. It was continual under the Father. See, all this points to Jesus, and these offerings would be made upon an altar that was there in the outer court of the tabernacle, and that fire in that altar would burn these, these offerings. And this portion of Scripture says that fire and that altar would not go out. Now, at the end of this effort, I'm going to go back to those seven offerings, but we're going to look at them in just a little bit different way. We're going to look at them not only in looking toward Jesus, but how they apply to us in our service to Jesus. The fire of the altar shall not go out. I got a question. Who lit that fire? Did God tell Moses, go over here, take some wood, start rubbing it together with some straw, get some fire, and light that altar up and get it lit? According to Leviticus chapter 9, verse 24, it was God that lit the altar. The Holy Spirit came and filled the tabernacle. The altar was lit by God. And when we consider that being lit by God, it should be easy for us to understand all the way through Scripture. God is compared to fire. He said of himself, I am a consuming fire. Do you remember it was Moses there in Exodus chapter 2 when the Lord spoke to him out of a burning bush. It was a burning bush that was on fire, but it was not consumed. And God spoke to him and when Moses said, who shall I say sent me? He said, you just tell them I am that I am has sent me unto you. And of course we know God is not I was. He's never been I was. He's just a I am that I am. God is. When God began to send plagues upon the nation of Egypt, and every one of those plagues was showing the impotence of the gods of Egypt. Have you ever read in the Bible where they had gods? They had multiple gods. And every one of those plagues was showing the impotence, the omnipotent God of heaven and earth was showing the impotence of those gods and what they could not do. Do you remember the one plague? It was hail mingled with fire. Wow, don't you know that destroyed a lot of crops? Where'd that fire come from? It came from God. I remember there was a city in Abraham's day that his relative went into. It was Sodom and Gomorrah. And it was God that was angry. If someone wants to know how God feels about that type of lifestyle, read what God did to Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, I did not judge if they were children of God or not. I did not. Every child of God, every person in this world has different propensities in the sin nature. Not everyone struggles with the same propensity. I remember there, I think it's in uh, Matthew chapter 11, the Lord Jesus Christ makes reference to the great and marvelous works that have been done in Capernaum. He said, these have been done in Sodom that have remained under this present. Which, wow, was that condemning to Capernaum. 
But if you want to know how God feels about that lifestyle, that particular lifestyle and, it, and what it is and being an abomination in his sight, go read about Sodom and Gomorrah and what God did. What happened? There was fire and brimstone that came down and destroyed the place. According to the book of Jude, that was eternal fire. How could it be eternal fire? It's not burning now because it came from an eternal God. So God who's the consuming fire, God who's the fire of the judge, God that sent down the fire that licked up all the water in Elijah's day. Do you remember Elijah? When all the prophets of the Baal and all the prophets of Grove all gathered together. And you notice how they're all friends on that day. I, I bet they couldn't get along on other days. But when they were against Elijah, they were all friends against, against him. Kind of like Pontius Pilate and Herod. They made friends on a particular day. Always remember this. You know, there's a lot of people in the world that be enemies until they get a, a, a particular enemy. And then they'll all gather together against, against you. I know this being a primitive Baptist and working in a workplace. I mean, there's people from many different groups. They, they have a hard time getting along until I walk up. And they all can agree on this. We disagree with Brother Ronnie. And I'm used to it. <laughs> but Elijah on that day, he called unto the Lord. And the Lord sent down fire. And that fire burnt the sacrifice and licked up all the water. So this fire that was given from God, it came from God because he is fire. And when you consider that fire, that fire of God, it cannot be put out. No one can put out God. And I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, every born-again child of God, that eternal fire that is God, is in them, and that fire cannot be put out. Do you know every child of God, and Paul says this in Romans chapter 10, they have a zeal of God, maybe not according to knowledge, but they have a fire in them, and that fire burns them in conviction concerning their sin, whether it's manifested to us or not. You know, the child of God born again, the covenant child of God that's born again is not the same as he was before he was born again. Anybody tells you that, it's a lie. They are not the same. Now, we may not see the fruit of that, and it may not be evident to us when we're around, but they are not the same as they were. And that fire, that eternal fire that's in them, it shall not go out because there's nothing that could change that eternal work of God. Once they're born again, I believe this. Once saved, always saved. Is that what you believe? I believe that. But those that have that fire in them that are able to show the fruit. And by the way, the fruit is not the root. There's a difference in the fruit and the root. You know, the Bible says faith is the fruit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, faith, meekness, and temperance. These are the fruit of the Spirit. That's the fruit, not the root. Someone asked me once, what's the biggest difference in the primitive Baptist and the people of the world? As simple as this. What most people say is the cause of eternal salvation, we say is the evidence of eternal salvation. Well, you've got to believe. Well, if someone believes, I think that's the evidence of salvation. Why do you believe that, Brother Ronnie? 1 John 5, 1 tells me it is. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is already born of God. That's what that means. Is born of God. Elder Newhams, he's the former pastor there at Union Grove Primitive Baptist Church, just a prince of a man. I mean, to know him was to love him. Brother Newell said this. He said, I've never walked out into the forest and saw an apple hanging out in the midair, Brother Ronnie. And said, you know, one day there's going to be a little limb hooked to that apple. And then one day that limb's going to go into a trunk. And one day that trunk's going to go all the way into the ground. And then it's going to have roots and we'll have a beautiful apple tree. He said, that ever happened to you, Brother Ronnie? I said, no, sir. Never happened. What happens is you first got life. And that fruit is evidence of the life. You know whether it's just one little knotty crab apple or it's just flourishing with apples on the tree, it's still an apple tree. 
And the only way it could bear that fruit is if it had life. But those who have life have opportunities to serve God in that life. True? You know, not all children of God get the same opportunity to serve in that life. Those that are blessed with the truth have a precious opportunity to serve in that life. But we who have that opportunity in the New Testament church to serve in that life, we often begin with a, with a really big fire on the altar. But if we're not very cautious, the fire can go out. Let not the fire go out. How many of you remember when you first joined the church? It's kind of like the brother said this morning, is me and the king. I mean, he was excited. I remember when I was baptized. You know what I did? I went out and bought me a brand new Bible. I was asking the pastor to give me a new reading schedule. I was excited to read the Bible all the way through, to study the Bible, have me a new reading schedule. I wanted to be at church every time the doors were open, but if you're not cautious, the world, the devil, even your own flesh will fight against you so much, it won't be too long. It's like, well, you know, I could probably miss a little bit. It won't hurt. And so your fire begins to go out. Let not the fire of your altar go out. You know, there's four things needed to have a, just a strong fire. And without those four, the fire will soon go out. First thing you're going to have to have is wood. We read right here where the priest would have to go get wood. You had to have fuel to have a fire. You know, without fire, without the wood, the fire goes out. Even Solomon said that of gossiping, right? <laughs> where there's no wood, the fire goes out. <laughs> That's in a negative sense. But if our fire is going to burn, we're going to have to have wood. How many of you remember as a child going and chopping wood? Busting wood. We used to call it busting wood. My daddy would buy just a whole truckload of logs and we'd saw them up and we'd bust wood all summer long so my mama could have a fire. And I want to tell you, my mama's a cold-natured sister. Whoa. <laughs> I lived in a hot house, brothers and sisters. <laughs> and it seemed like my mama in that hot house, my daddy and mama, they, they loved chitlins. You ever eat any chitlins? Have you ever smelled chitlins? My mama always waited till it was raining outside to cook chitlins. <laughs> And here I was in that hot house having to smell those chitlins. But without that wood, that fire was not going to last. You know, brothers and sisters, we have a fire in our service to the Lord, this zeal. Do you know without wood, our fire will soon go out? Well, what is the wood, Brother Ronnie? It's reading the Word of God, studying the Word of God, being at the house of God, and listening to the preacher preach the gospel. If we're not laboring, cutting the wood, and laboring to have fuel on our fire, our fire will soon go out. You ever met someone that missed church just a few times and the fire gets a little dim? You know, the more you miss, the less, the more you will miss. You will miss being there. I heard someone say, you know, you shouldn't miss church so much where the church starts to miss you. Right? You start missing church so much, the church won't be long. Let's, let's stop missing you. Missing that you're there. I don't want to miss church so much that my wood, that I would pile on my fire to keep my fire and zeal in the sight of God would go out. I want my fire to burn high to the glory of God. And whether my fire burns high or not, it doesn't change the fact that the eternal is still in me, but it does change the fact of me honoring my God and meeting my king and serving him as I should. Another thing you have to remember is fire needs oxygen. You know, they took these ashes, they took them out, but those ashes didn't, wouldn't just put anywhere. They had to be put in a clean place. I used to have that task at home. I mean, my mom, you know, we had a fireplace and a wood heater. <laughs> and my mom would say, you know, Ronnie, you need to get these these ashes and get them out. Well, why? It's just burned. What is that hurting? See, those ashes keep piling up. They'll finally suffocate the fire. You have to have oxygen to burn the fire. 
But those ashes were not just any ordinary ashes. They had to be put in a clean place, a special ashes. When I think about that, I think about us as God's children and our, our past experiences with the Lord. I know each one of you have a past experience in your fellowship with the Lord that's precious to you. And we think about that and we look back upon that and we're encouraged by that. You know, David there in 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse 5 and 6 when he encouraged himself with the Lord, I can't help but think that he looked back in his life and said, you know, the Lord, when I need him, he was my shepherd. The Lord, when I need light, he was my light. The Lord, when I needed him, he was my strength. The Lord, when I needed him, he was my rock and stability. And this, this before me, and it shall be just like one of those times before. He encouraged himself. And we can look back on those past experiences. But we can't live there. If we live there, the oxygen of our fire will soon be suffocated just living there. How many people have you met that just lived in the past? <laughs> Yeah, I used to hear this a lot, not so much anymore because I've got a response for it. People would say, boy, I remember the good old days. It's the good old days, right? I remember the good old days. You know, if you're not cautious saying that, the little children in the church will be discouraged thinking they'll never have those good old days. You know where the good old days are? They're where God is. That's where the good old days are. <laughs> And if God is with us here this weekend here at Little Union Primitive Baptist Church, is with us at Union Grove Primitive Baptist Church, these are the good old days because it doesn't get any better than spending time with God in His kingdom. You know, I remember a time in my life I went to the house of God and Elder Raymond Lord was preaching and I was sitting there on the pew. You know, Brother Raymond was one of those preachers. He could say just about anything and get away with it. I remember once I was in a meeting with him and Sister Ginger. This is after Sister Jean had passed. Sister Ginger was there on the pew and Brother Raven, he was up preaching about the peace we're going to have in heaven. No, no wars in heaven. No trouble in heaven. He said, because I just can't bear the thought of Ginger and Jean fighting over me in heaven. I thought, man, if anybody in the church said that, besides Brother Raven. And I look back at Sister Ginger's just smiling, amen. I thought, Wow. If I'd have said that, I'd have missed out on cooking for a month. <laughs> but Brother Raymond, he was preaching, and I mean, I was, I was just enjoying it. Just, Brother David, it was like I could just reach up and touch the hem of Jesus' garment. And that was a precious blessing and a precious experience I had, but I can't stay there. The Bible teaches us that we should continually be growing and going forward in our service to God. There's no idleness in the service of God. You're either going backwards or you're going forwards. And Peter, his last word says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We need to be concerned about the oxygen that we give to our fire and living in the now and going forward. You also consider fire. Fire's got to be, it's got to be stirred up. How many of you remember stoking the fire? Fire kind of gets low, you got you to stoke it up. Yeah, I remember mama, daddy tell me, you know, go, go poke the fire. Go turn the logs over. And it's important that we in our service to the Lord are stirred up. And we can be stirred up with fellowship with one another. I mean, that's, I think that's why, one of the reasons God gave us the church. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm almost, this is kind of difficult to say, I guess, Brother Chris, but I need you, Brother Chris. <laughs> I need you to stir me. In my service to God, I, I meant that as a joke. You know, Brother Chris. I love Brother Chris. He, lo he loves me sometimes. <laughs> but we need one another. Let the fire be stirred. Do you remember that text in Isaiah chapter 64? I think it's verse 6 that makes reference to our righteousness as being as filthy rags. What does that next verse say? That ver next verse says, There's none that stirreth up himself unto me. You know how Israel got in such trouble? They stopped stirring themselves up. 
and their service to God. That's how they got in such trouble. What did Paul tell Timothy? Paul told Timothy, stir up the gift of God that's in thee. Now, you can't stir up sugar in a coffee cup unless there's sugar already in the coffee cup. I mean, you don't go to someone and say, hey, how about stirring that sugar up in your coffee before you put sugar in it? The sugar's got to already be there. So we, we have something to stir up in ourselves, and we need one another to be stirred up in that service. I have never come to the house of God when I didn't feel more stirred up and went home more excited. Have you ever been to the house of God and just fellowship with one another, the blessings of being there, and you went home more excited about your service to God than, than ever? I love going to an annual meeting where I leave out and I'm just so stirred up in my service to God and I want to be a better preacher, a better husband, a better father, a better servant in the world, just a better disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I love that when the Lord Jesus Christ took the five loaves and two fishes that the little boy had, the little lad, and Jesus blessed it. And the Bible says the entire multitude was filled and they left out with 12 basketfuls. You know what they did? They come to that meeting with less than what they went out with. They went out with more than what they came with. What a precious meeting to be in when you go out with more than what you came with. But we come expecting to have fellowship with God. We're humble in His sight to serve Him, to be ready to meet our King. We can go home with more than what we came with, to be stirred up and that fire burning high. Also, a fire has to be protected. You know, there where I live <laughs> on Sincerity Road, my wife and I, we like, we like charcoal grills. I know gas grills are real popular. I still like a charcoal grill. My wife and I love hamburgers and hot dogs on a charcoal grill. Yeah, we're primitive. <laughs> yeah, we're primitive. But you know, you start lighting up a charcoal grill. Now, I don't use matches anymore. I've got one of those propane lighters. I pop into it to light it up, but you've got to watch the wind. The wind will put out those coals, right? The wind will put out the coals, and you've got, you got to protect. You've got to protect those coals. And that's another point that can be made. I've heard it made many times about us being stirred up in the Lord. You know, when you take the coals and keep them closer together, they'll burn a lot hotter when you start separating them. But that fire, when you light it up, it's got to be, got to be protected. Yeah. You know, it's important that we protect this fire of service that we have here in the church, that we have in our hearts and our minds. Why? Because every wind of doctrine will try to put it out. There's false doctrine in the world. You take the children that's in the kingdom of God, even the adults, there's false doctrines that are out there, and they work wildly to put out your fire to the service of God, that you be separated from the truth, separated from that fellowship you have with the Lord Jesus Christ in the truth. How many of you have experienced some of those winds that's trying to put out your fire? But when you've got that fire protected, you, know, you can just say, no, brother, I already know better than that. I know that's not right. How do you know that's not right? I read in the Word of God. I've heard the man of God preach the Word of God in the pulpit on Sunday morning. But you know, if we're not at the house of God on a regular basis, we'll forget. We're like that cracked pot. We'll forget. And next thing you know, the wind's already put out our, our fire. Let not the fire of your altar go out. Now let's look at these seven sacrifices one more time. That burnt offering, let not your fire go out. Be all in in your service to God. Be willing to give all your energy. That meal offering, let us be unleavened in His service. Let us look to His example. I know I'll never be perfect in this world, but that doesn't mean I should stop trying, okay? I remember when I was a little kid, I, I loved the Dallas Cowboys. I got over it. <laughs> My favorite Dallas Cowboy was, was Tony Dorsett. I mean, I remember playing out in the yard. I'd, I'd put up toe sacks. If anybody doesn't know what a toe sack is, I'll let you know after church. You can talk to me about it. I'd fill them with leaves, and I'd put them on poles, and I pretended I was Tony Dorsett. You know, people would drive by, and they'd laugh at me. I know I was out there singing the NFL Today song. You know, going 
If you'd asked me, you, you think you'll ever be Tony Dorsett? No, I was too little and too slow. But that didn't stop me from wanting to be that. I was aiming toward that goal. That meal offering, let us, let us aim toward that goal. Peace offerings, let us labor in with peace offerings and thanksgiving offerings to God for all he's done for us. Sin offering, let us be willing to confess our sin and repent of our sin. Repentance is something that's very necessary and important for us as God's children. To turn from the direction we're going and turn back to God. Trespass offerings. Let us be willing if our brother, if we've offended our brother and sister, to go to them to make it right and even go further to add more to it. You remember Zacchaeus? If I've done anybody wrong, I'll restore him fourfold. Make it right. Daily, let us be offering our bodies continually unto God in His service, which is nothing but a reasonable service. Drink offers. Let us be willing to pour it all out in His service that God would receive glory in our temporal lives here in this world. That our fire would not go out. Give me just a few minutes, Brother Chris. I'm going to change subjects on you just a little bit with that fire. And I want to talk about something that the devil attacks. And he attacks the church through it. It's marriage. You know, the devil attacks the church through families. Couples. He attacks them that they're, the fire of that love that they have for one another would be put out. And what happens when it's put out? They're separated. You know, the kids are often neglected in that. They're not brought to the house of God. You know, brothers and sisters, concerning marriage, let's not let our fire go out for one another. You know, there's a, there's a girl up in North Carolina. She's there taking care of my two kids. I remember when I met Sister Jennifer. And when I do this, she gets embarrassed and she gives me the stink eye. <laughs> but you know, I used to tell her, but I'm in the pulpit and not you. <laughs> you know, I love Sister Jennifer. First time I saw her, Brother Dave. I wanted her to be my wife. I, I remember the first time Sister Jennifer kissed me on the cheek. Man, it's like my world stopped. And I was like the Shulamite. You know, Shulamite said he brought me to his banqueting house and his banner over me was love. Well, what else was going on? I don't know. That's all I remember. <laughs> the world just stopped. Now, I remember when Jennifer and I, we got married. I remember my daddy told me before we got married, he said, son, you better get this girl married to you before she figures out what's going on. <laughs> I remember we got married. It was a precious day of my life. But you know, the devil attacks things like that. That the fire of that marriage would go out and we'd be just separated. Sometimes it's just two people living in the same house, not really husband and wife. That's why every morning I get up, after I brush my teeth and wash my mouth with mouthwash, next thing I go kiss my wife on the cheek and I thank her for all that she's done for me. And I want her to know, just like the Bible said, he hath found a wife and found a good thing, that God has blessed me with a good wife. And I want her to know even at her last breath that I thank God for my home that God blessed me to have. And I'm going to close by saying this, sisters, I've done all I can for you for Valentine's Day. May God bless you. <laughs>